1: Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content
2: presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo. Serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. This program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rouleau.
3: Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rouleau, your patient safety hostess with one full hour of nothing but little-known health hazards that you won't hear about in the mainstream media. That's what we're known for. And today, I'm going to talk about something that you might not give much thought to, and you surely don't hear about anywhere else. So find your best listen to the radio seat, turn off all buzzing and ringing devices, hang a do not disturb sign on your door, and settle in for my two cents. And I don't mean nickels, because right now, it's time for the healthcare hazard of the week. Fragrance-free is the way to be. Is your health being destroyed by other people's toxic fragrances? Have you ever given any thought to secondhand fragrance contamination? While the use of perfume, cologne, air fresheners, and scented laundry products has become so commonplace that the indoor air quality of public places is more toxic than it was when people could freely smoke tobacco wherever and whenever they wished. The term secondhand fragrance is used to describe the combination of smells that are released into the public airspace from the scented products that people use on their skin, hair, and clothing. It also includes products that intentionally add fragrance to the air, such as air fresheners, car fresheners, and scented candles. The fragrances are called secondhand because the decision of one person to use fragrances pollutes the air for everyone. People who don't use fragrances or who can't tolerate them are often then forced to breathe the contaminated air that everyone shares. (laughs) And this reminds me of the time Bob and I and another couple were eating out at a fondue restaurant in North Carolina. The tables were tight and close together. We were happily dipping our goodies into the different cheeses when the host seated another couple right next to us. This woman screamed of fragrance as she entered the room. The smell grabbed your nose and nearly twisted it off. Before she even sat down, our eyes were watering as a defensive reaction to the pollution. She sat down and we continued to eat. Bob dropped his fork and summoned the waitress. Can we please move to a different table, he asked. The waitress looked dumbfounded and so did our guests. I was quite shocked as well that Bob would make such a bold move. He said, we can't eat with that smell everything is beginning to taste like perfume so with that the four of us got up grabbing our silverware glasses and napkins and moved across the restaurant now at that time i just thought it was the smell factor but now i know perfume cologne and products that indicate that they contain fragrance are made from a combination of manufactured chemical compounds solvents and other chemicals are added to the mixture In an attempt to make the fragrance behave as if it was an essential oil derived directly from a plant. The fragrances in these products are chemical concoctions that are toxic to all people. Almost all perfume and cologne sold today is derived from petroleum and coal tar. They're not made from flowers and sweet smelling plants, as advertising might suggest. Even very expensive perfumes may be made from 95% synthetic ingredients. So it's just a myth that it's only a smell and it won't hurt you. Any molecular substance that becomes airborne can enter the nasal passages, your nose, and come in contact with receptor sites used for perceiving smell. Some substances bypass the blood-brain barrier and enter the brain. This means that there is a constant flow of substances entering your brain, whether or not your brain can identify the name of the substance or not. And as soon as you smell perfume, air fresheners, scented candles, laundry detergent, or dryer sheets, you've already absorbed them into your body. And this leads me to the use of cell phones, which is known to create tiny holes in the blood-brain barrier, thus allowing more of these toxic chemicals into your brain. Now, the average fragrance product tested contained 14 secret chemicals not listed on the label. Among them are chemicals associated with hormone disruption and allergic reaction. And many have not been assessed for safety in personal care products. And this includes sunscreens. Fragrance secrecy is legal due to a giant loophole in the Federal Fair Packaging and Labeling Act of 1973, claiming that to disclose would be leaking trade secrets. And to make matters worse, the FDA lacks the authority to require manufacturers to test cosmetics for safety, including fragrance products, before they're sold to consumers. As a result, you may be using a perfume, a cologne, a body spray, or other scented cosmetics like lotion and aftershave, and exposing yourself to chemicals that may increase your risk for certain health problems. So let's reveal some popular brands. Secret Chemicals. Laboratory tests revealed 38 secret chemicals in 17 brand name products, with an average of 14 secret chemicals per product. American Eagle's 77 contained 24 secret chemicals, nearly twice the average found in other products, such as Britney Spears' Curious, Calvin Klein' Eternity, Hannah Montana' Secret Celebrity. Giorgio Armani's Aqua Di Gio contained 19 different sensitizing chemicals that can trigger allergic reactions, more than any other product tested. And a total of 12 different hormone-disrupting chemicals were found in the tested products, with an average of four in each of these products. Halle by Halle Berry, Quicksilver for Men, and Jennifer Lopez's J.Lo Glow. In each product, six of these chemicals mimic the hormone estrogen, and the seventh is associated with thyroid effects. Now we should figure, the perfume industry is a very big business with extremely high profit margins. They make a lot of money, and they provide high profitability to the retailers who handle their products. The actual liquid in a typical bottle of $150 perfume is less than 1% of the retail cost. The bottle, the box, the display carton typically cost four to six times more than the fragrance itself. And manufacturers pay premium prices for special stoppers, sometimes as much as for the bottle. They also pay for decorating the bottle and for filling, shipping, and packing it. All these extraneous costs might bring the cost of a filled bottle to about $20. A quarter-ounce bottle of perfume that sells for $150 is a combination of alcohol and chemically transformed petroleum. And sometimes it might contain a tiny percentage of essential oil. Well, translating this into the lives of people, we see that approximately 95 million adults and children in America experience health problems caused by the chemicals that other people put on their skin, their hair, and on their clothing. These chemicals, which include fragrances, cause a variety of negative reactions, including exhaustion, weakness, hay fever symptoms, dizziness, difficulty concentrating, confusion, headaches, rashes, muscle aches, heart palpitations, nausea, stomach cramps, and on and on and on. Babies and children are even more vulnerable to these negative health reactions than are adults. The elderly and people trying to recover from cancer and other serious illnesses are particularly at risk when exposed. But despite this, 85% of women still wear perfume, although that number may be falling. Additionally, over 60% of men use cologne and aftershave. And finally, think about it. Most public restrooms have some type of air freshener and almost all have scented hand soap. All of this secondhand chemical pollution makes life very difficult for the millions of Americans who become ill when exposed to fragrances. The greatest challenge to cleaning up public air is perfume addiction. Daily users of perfume, cologne, and highly scented laundry products are commonly addicted to the chemicals in these products. This is true for all segments of society, including public health professionals and medical care professionals. The offices of most Doctors continue to be saturated with synthetic fragrances from cleaning products, air fresheners, and perfume worn by the staff, even though there is a growing documentation that this presents a problem for some patients. So I'm asking if you're a healthcare provider, a doctor, a nurse, an aide, a transporter, whatever. please keep this in mind. Don't wear perfumes to work and suggest to the powers that be at your hospital or healthcare facility that you adopt a fragrance- free workplace. Air contamination caused by perfume and cologne and other scented products should not be just another barrier to healing while in the hospital or doctor's office. I mean, whatever happened to the idea of healthcare care without harm? How can a sick body heal while bombarded with chemicals? And not to mention microwave radiation given off by wireless technology that abounds in every hospital these days. Well, that's like a one-two punch. So here's today's call to action. Whether you feel it or not, why subject your wallet and your body to such high-priced chemicals that do nothing but erode your wealth and your health? I say, become fragrance-free. It's the way to be. And with that, let's hear some legal news you can use. Let's spend the next two minutes with our friends at Schraft and King. They always have the answers. Well, David, Peter P. Facebook. If someone thinks they have a malpractice case, what should they do?
2: We will consult with clients uh, regarding medical malpractice cases, possible claims in that regard. They contact us to schedule an initial consultation. Those will generally be done at no charge. At that point, uh, we'll gather as much information uh, as we can from the, the client. And from there, it's basically an investigative process. We will examine the information that we need to, including typically medical records after acquiring those, and uh, evaluate uh, the possibility of a malpractice claim, and then we will work closely and directly with the client in making decisions where to go from there.
3: And if our listeners have more questions, where can they reach you?
2: We can be reached by telephone at 440-585-1600, 440-585-1600, on our website at TraffKing.com.
3: Thank you for taking the time to help us today.
2: You're welcome, Pat.
3: Schraff and King, they're conveniently located on Som Center Road in Willoughby Hills, just south of Route 6, or you can always visit them online at schraffking.com. After the show, be sure to visit the website, speakupandstayalive.com, for more life-saving information. Plus, that's where you can purchase the book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, The Patient Advocate, Hospital Survival Guide. Bring the book to the hospital with you. It's the best way to stand out and in a positive way. And remember, we donate two handmade pillowcases to either a troop member or to a local veteran's shelter for every book sold with your name on it as the donor. So for a mere $20, you benefit, and so does some well-deserving warrior Give a meaningful and useful gift that really says I care. Give the gift of health safety. Purchase the book, the patient safety logs, and throw in some of those icebreaker cards. It's a one-size-fits-all present that everybody needs. You can order online at speakupandstayalive.com or call me 440-725-5462. You're listening to Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio, and I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. Today, I have a guest to talk about a devastating illness brought on by environmental factors. And no, I'm not talking about chemtrails again, but I'm sure that those are not helping the situation. I am talking about multiple chemical sensitivities. And just this past March, Senator Michael Skindell from Lakewood, Ohio, presented sponsor testimony before the Senate Health and Human Services Committee to designate the month of May as Multiple Chemical Sensitivity Month in Ohio. Now, Multiple Chemical Sensitivity, and we'll use the abbreviation MCS today, is an isolating illness that has many different triggers and can start at any age. It may develop after a single particular exposure to a toxic substance, such as pesticides or industrial solvents, and sometimes from a newly decorated home or office. Others develop sensitivities after a period of ill health or viral infections with symptoms getting worse over several years. In 2003, research indicated over 12% of the U.S. population was affected with severe MCS, over 36.5 million people, and I'm knowing that those statistics have continued to rise. Exact numbers of sufferers in the U.S. are still not known, but include thousands of soldiers affected by Gulf War syndrome. Despite this, the medical profession still varies widely in its support, and there are currently no clinical guidelines for the treatment of patients. So today I want to expand that awareness by welcoming a returning guest. She is Tony Temple. She is the founder and president of the Ohio Network for the Chemically Injured and a member of the steering committee to establish the National Coalition for the Chemically Injured. And she's also the author of numerous articles as well as the book, Healthier Hospitals, a comprehensive guide to assist in the medical care and accommodation needs of the patient with the disability of MCS. She is an activist extraordinaire when it comes to this topic, so I am happy to have her on the show. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thank you, Pat.
4: I appreciate your having us on again because there is so much material to cover.
3: There is. And we're going to try to become a myth buster today and bust some of the myths about multiple chemical sensitivities. Is there anything that you would like to add just to head us off in the right direction about what does it mean, multiple chemical sensitivities?
4: It means that a person who had no prior allergies or any health problems associated with being exposed to environmental factors in our everyday world. And I'm talking about traffic fumes, perfumes, many, many other petroleum products and personal care products. All of a sudden, one day you wake up and you have all these problems of not being able to fit them into your lives because they affect the way you think and work and feel and so many other things. And they lead to many, many other health conditions which are known to, some chemicals are known to cause cancer, some are known to cause Alzheimer's. So you wake up and you're not able to work anymore and you're not able to function as you did and you start realizing that it happens when you're around a certain product or closure. So because it is a very strange disease, I mean I would not have known about it too much, unless I had it myself and had to learn from others about it. But you have to learn to live with it, like you have to learn with um, an amputated leg or with a brain tumor or with cancer. You, You need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Right, right. Because there is no research that really can pinpoint exactly how it's happening, and I want to interject here that no one knows why some people become alcoholics and some do not. Some are allergic to peanut butter, others are not, and some, such as myself, I'm also allergic to penicillin. It just happens one day and there you are, so you have to deal with it. And the problems that we run into are the myths that have been created about us that are absolutely not true, mm-hmm. and yet we don't know how to defend ourselves because no one is educated about it the way they should be in medical schools and nursing schools and so forth. And when a professional's opinion goes to a family, the family tends to believe the physician rather than their family member. So it's very difficult, and I appreciate the opportunity for us to go over some of these myths because retraining is always possible, and support is needed by so very many people problem is they keep giving you the same tests over and over again we pass them with flying colors they haven't yet invented the test or nor do they give us a test if it's available that can diagnose what's going on the CDC has all kinds of blood tests we never get them we get the same old same old test oh there's nothing wrong with you because you pass our test Mm -hmm. well the tests aren't appropriate for what's wrong with us and if the CDC and other entities, like the coroner, told me they have tests, when you're dead, they'll give them to you, but not when you're alive. So it doesn't make much sense me. Oh. But in the meantime, we suffer with the discriminatory attitudes, and it's very heartbreaking, mm-hmm. Online calls we get.
3: I'm sure, I'm sure. And so that takes us to our first myth, that MCS is not regarded as a disability.
4: Somehow people have the wrong notion that... Everyone with a, you know, say everyone in a wheelchair is disabled, but those with MCS are not. It doesn't work that way with the law. It's a category of disability prongs that you need to satisfy in order to become a person with a disability that is legally recognized. And there's no such thing as all people in a wheelchair are disabled or all people with MCS are disabled. It's the degree of the disability and how it affects how you are able to work and live in the world that we have to survive in. And if we are not able to function at our jobs the majority of the time and if we're not able to walk and learn and think, then we are disabled. We are unable to function in a normal life and work normally. So the myth that we are not disabled is absolutely not true.
3: So what we're saying, though, that it is regarded as a disability, but that no one's enforcing the law.
4: There are no ADA police, and there, the law is not being enforced. And everyone believes that just because there is no test yet, that we don't have a disability. Mm-hmm. Yes. It comes to us, we're automatically in the psychiatric realm, and we are automatically not disabled and discriminated against. It's very difficult to fight that fight. I personally go through that almost every day.
3: And speaking of psychological, uh, let's go to that next myth, is that when your symptoms don't fall into an existing medical category, such as cancer, as you mentioned, or diabetes, then there's only one thing left to do, and that is diagnose you as depressed or anxious and give you pills that can actually cause depression. So in other words, it's all psychological.
4: That's what people like to believe, and I believe the chemical industry profits from that way of thinking, because... They're not liable if they can convince everyone that we're psychological. You know, if you stop and think about any illness, Pat, you know, when you get cancer or you have to have a leg amputated or you have a heart attack, are you not anxious? Mm -hmm. Are you not depressed maybe a little bit if you have to lose a body part? The notion that we're all psychological, brain-dead people who, who can be mistreated and abused, because we, we would never notice how we're being treated is absolutely ridiculous. The doctors aren't able to do that because they don't learn about us in medical school. And if we don't take the drugs that they want to give us because they think we're depressed, if you read the label on a bottle of antidepressants, um, the insert with the prescription drug, it, the first symptom of taking that drug is depression. Or your doctor is not trained to know whether it's good or not for you because most of them don't take a whole lot of chemistry. You need to talk to a pharmacist, and there are side effects that are psychiatric. So the people that have taken the drugs, unfortunately, some have died because their body cannot tolerate the drugs they're being given. Mm-hmm. It changes you into a different person and even can make you suicidal. So why would someone having problems with chemicals want to take more chemicals?
3: Many of those antidepressants and antipsychotic drugs do carry the black box warning that do warn against suicide. And that takes me to that next myth that patients with chemical sensitivities who cannot take their medications due to severe reactions are simply bad patients known as non-compliant.
4: Oh yes, and and, and the non-compliance label gets you directly to the patient's bill of rights that tells
3: you you
4: have a right to choose, you have a right to say no, because one says, you know, you're a non-compliant patient, but how can you be non-compliant if you're allowed to choose what you put in your mouth? And unfortunately, the forms of treatment that are safe and help you, you're not given by mainstream medicine and Medicare, and many of the hospital insurance programs won't pay for it. Right.
3: Even in a hospital, can a patient get disability accommodations in a hospital, such as a fragrance-free room? You know, not using the hand sanitizers or the gloves or cleaning products.
4: Yes, because for years and years I've had other related problems also caused by chemicals. I had a stroke, matter of fact, from ambulance fumes. When you get to the hospital, you have to warn them ahead of time. And the problem is, unless they have a policy, it's almost impossible to have a fragrance-free room or a fragrance nurse because they're not prepared. It takes time to prepare a room. And yes, I have prepared everyone ahead of time, but even after the fact, there are attitude problems with nurses and other hospital employees. For instance, when I'm in the hospital, I insist that the door be kept closed. I'm allergic to to my patient room. And I'm allergic to penicillin. I'm allergic to perfume. The hand sanitizers I uh, looked them up online, and they have perfume and alcohol,
3: mm-hmm.
4: which I'm allergic to, so I have to ask them not to use it. And some nurses have you know, actually been argumentative about it and say, we have to. And everything is in my patient record. I provide hospitals with warnings about what I'm allergic to. And even after the fact, they don't really accommodate you anymore because everything is in such a routine and ritual. For example... Medications being in vending machines, I was given uh, medications with dyes, which i 'm allergic to three times mm. and if i hadn't been alert, I would have had a serious reaction right Wow most people that need these accommodations and ask for them are told to go somewhere else. Wow. I get so many hotline calls. one woman in another state contacted eight hospitals and was refused oh. admittance for oh, surgical procedure Wow! because they didn't want to accommodate them and these people come to us and say what do we do well it's the law they're supposed to accommodate disabilities and not discriminate Mm -hmm. but what do you do when they do
3: What's scary is that hospitals are no longer a place to heal. And we talk about this on the show all the time. Just the wireless microwave radiation that's going on in hospitals with the wireless routers. You've got the cell tower antennas on top of the hospitals. I bring my meter to the hospital and you can't stay there for very long because you get fried to death because of the microwave radiation. And now if you've got chemical sensitivities... Then you're bathed in all of these fragrances, and which takes me back to what you said about the attitude problems. I'm sure that people look at you and think, well, she's just being fussy. And so that there's another myth that it's the odor that people with chemical sensitivities react to when, in fact, it's not the odor.
1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. D D W Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: Odor. Explain that.
4: Because we complain about things that do have odors, such as car, you know, car and ambulance fumes and the alcohols, the medications, the cleaning chemicals, People automatically perceive it we do you know, or especially someone's perfume they get personally offended mm-hmm. because we can't handle their perfume as if it's a personal thing, and it's not and and they act as though they have a personal right to wear chemicals that make other people sick and because there's no regulations there, you know it's hard to educate a person that is so set in their ways that they have a right to wear perfume and they have a right to do this and so forth to the point where they don't care if they're making someone else ill. It comes right down to it. It's not the odors of anything. It's the chemicals Mm -hmm. in them that we're breathing. I did a study on indoor air quality with the National Institute of Building Sciences and many experts for almost 10 years and the consent they were trying to research what in the indoor air causes us to become ill so they could try to fix it so we could, you know, be part of public life and be accommodated. And the bottom line after almost ten years is we're getting sick from the very same things that cause cancer and leukemia and a lot of autoimmune disease and chronic fatigue. And, you know, everything that's been happening to children is absolutely appalling because they cannot control their environment. And the schools do, the hospitals do, their parents do. And these kids are being born with autism or developing autism, which is escalating every day. But if every person would do something, one thing, to educate themselves and make differences in their own lives, it would not only help prevent them from getting some of the illnesses that result from exposures to toxic chemicals, but it would also... Help us and and give us one less burden Mm -hmm. of stress to have to fight with the whole world to explain why we're sick and then be not sleep. Right. Right. And our bodies are not able to adjust. Like if two people walk into a painted room, one has MCS, the other doesn't, the other person's body would be able to adjust and get used to being in the room. The MCS person cannot. My suggestion is to try to put yourself in the shoes of a person with mcs no one knows what it feels like until the day that they're diagnosed with anything mm-hmm.
3: and just because somebody doesn't feel it in that painted room does not mean that they're not being affected
4: absolutely you know because you know it was interesting one day when i asked someone for an accommodation and it was in a hospital one of Someone came into my room and I said, could you please back away from me because your perfume or something that you have on that is scented is bothering me. And she got really upset. She said, well, it's not bothering me. And I said, are you sure? And 10 years from now, if you come down with cancer, will you remember this conversation? Yep. And, and, you know, she didn't like that, but she didn't argue further. So it's things like that that we are confronted with almost constantly.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, one of the small things people can think about is maybe don't wear perfume and think about the, think about what you put on your body because they may not feel it now, as you said, but long-term they very well might, which leads me to my next myth, and that is if a chemical has passed an inspection as being safe, it is not possible for daily low-level exposures to harm the individual.
4: Well, this belief doesn't take into account that almost everyone is exposed to much more than one chemical at a time on a daily basis. Right. And the synergistic effects of these chemicals mixing with each other create a new toxin that is never tested because Mm -hmm. they only test things one thing at a time. A good example is you know not to mix bleach and ammonia. Mm -hmm or you have a problem right. toxic soup there is no difference between that and mixing some of the chemicals that they do in perfumes or scented products you know to make scented products
3: mm-hmm. what should we all be doing to be safe to be proactive and to make some positive changes
4: well i think the first and foremost is to avoid all scented products there's over 3000 chemicals allowed in uh, scents and perfumes and so forth and These include benzene, toluene, xylene, and if people realize that they're putting known cancer toxins on their skin and rubbing them in, maybe they would not do it if they were aware. The other thing you have to be aware of is that these scented scents and fragrances are added to laundry products, shampoos, deodorants, hairsprays, gels. Another big thing that would help everyone is to avoid treating your lawns, Mm -hmm. even with fertilizer, half the fertilizer has been mixed with toxic waste products and and being sold back to us instead of being disposed properly. The other things that people use, they don't even think about. They use dryer sheets, fabric softeners, and the chemicals in those, in the dryer sheets, there are plasticizers, and, and that's what makes the clothes soft. But you're wearing these, and then if you develop an allergy, you go to the doctor and you get medicine and you get cream, and you're still using the fabric softener. It's senseless. One of the worst products that I heard about recently were the baby wipes for babies, and they're going to the extremes of allergic reactions and being taken to doctors and being given medications. Um, One of the things that people don't even think about, I have a slogan called the plumber not the doctor, leaky pipes, condensation on pipes, old leaded fittings, all of these things contribute to health problems because of the heavy metals and the lead. We've heard stories where the underground um, water pipes that the water company hooks to your home were all lead and people were getting sick from that. It's scary because it's also expensive. Mm-hmm. Calling the plumber is not cheap, but it's better than going to the doctor and taking medications that may make you worse. And I'm not suggesting that people don't go to the doctor, but they need to rule out what the causes are. And no one is looking for the causes of their health problems And when you get a uh, prescription filled, you know, because you do have to take prescriptions once in a while, you Get the package inserts, the long ones, from your pharmacist, not the little blurb they put in a you know, two or three incidents that could happen to you if you take this pill and have a reaction. There are many, many more that are on this inside package insert, which I caution you need a magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. Ask your pharmacist, find one that you can trust and build a rapport with them because they know if you get your prescription filled in the same place all the time. They know what you've taken, what reacts with what. You know, my other famous saying is just say no to your doctor. Mm -hmm. You have that right. Even though some may label you as noncompliant, don't fall for feeling guilty because this is your body. And if they you know, mess up by giving you the wrong thing or the wrong dose of something when you feel that you know the body doesn't like it and it's telling you that when you take it, Listen to your inner voice because it, it's not going to mislead you. Don't use air fresheners. If you want to have a scent in the house, make your own. Boil some cinnamon and sticks or cloves or whatever. Bake an apple pie and, and get your scents in that way. And the chemicals in those air fresheners cause severe harm. Yeah. Look around your home. Um, what do you keep in your bedroom? If you have a bunch of magazines and newspapers, you're not having a safe sleeping environment. Some of the chemicals in those freshly lacquered magazines could be keeping you awake awake at night, and you don't need a sleeping pill. You don't need a sleeping study. You need to clean your bedroom, get a cotton sheet, old-fashioned ways of doing things, especially a baby's room. Many parents, right before the baby is born, are painting and buying new furniture and Putting up wallpaper and decorating the room for the baby and all of those things can be toxic to a child. Children do not even develop immune systems till they're mid teens, and babies are so vulnerable.
3: Yeah. Lots of good advice and I know that there's so much more that we could probably cover. But um, well, kind of wrapping up, where can folks find out more information about MCS and, and is there a way that you would want for them to contact you? Our
4: website is www.ohionetwork.org.
3: We'll post as much information as you send to us. We'll post on our website as well to try to keep this conversation alive. I just so appreciate you, and, and thank you for reaching out to me and reminding me that it was Multiple Chemical Sensitivities Month. Yeah, just the best to you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Pat Rouleau, and I have a question for you. Where's the best place to be when you're sick? Oh no, you didn't just say a hospital, did you? Here's something you should know. Hospital-acquired infections are one of the leading causes of death, more than car accidents and breast cancer combined. And these infections are preventable. Still, one in 25 patients who goes into the hospital without an infection will get one there. So what can you do to avoid this? Get a copy of my book. Speak Up and Stay Alive, the hospital survival guide, and listen to my radio shows. To find out more and to get a copy of the book that just might save your life or the life of a loved one, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. You're listening to Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio, and I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. And today, in lieu of playing a game, I want to stick with our theme of multiple chemical sensitivities because our guest, whom you just heard, Tony Temple, president of the Ohio Network for the Chemically Injured, sent me the Ten Commandments of Being a Good Neighbor, and I think it's worth reading. All right. It's called Thou Shalt Not Kill Thy Neighbor. Thou shalt not run thy vehicle when not in use, to prevent carbon monoxide from entering thy neighbor's domicile, and thus thy neighbor's lungs. Spares thy pocketbook, too. Thou shalt not use thy barbecue grill near thy neighbor's windows. More carbon monoxide and a lot of dirty smoke. Thou shalt not place thy garbage cans near thy neighbor's windows. Thou shalt not operate thy gas-powered lawnmower on hot humid days to keep from ozoning thy neighbor. Hint: Electric mowers do not emit exhaust, and better yet, hand mowers are not a threat to air pollution and provideth much-needed exercise. Thou shalt not poison thy neighbors, family, friends, pets, and wildlife by using toxic chemicals on your lawn. It's not for the birds either. Some lawn chemicals currently in use were used as nerve toxins in the Vietnam War. Thou shalt carefully read directions and instructions when using swimming pool chemicals for maintenance. Chlorine is a deadly gas that produces further harm when mixed or stored with other chemicals, and it can even cause explosions. Chlorine and ammonia are incompatible, so check thy makeup ingredients containing ammonia. Thou shalt not pollute thy clothes dryer, neighborhood, and clothing with toxic exhaust from fabric softeners or dryer sheets and perfumed detergent residues. They contain benzene, toluene, and other petroleum chemicals, which can become even more harmful when heated. Thou shalt not pollute thy neighborhood air with toxic smoke coming from burning newspapers, chemical starter logs, Use untreated wood and twigs, garbage and petroleum products, plastics, and the like in thy fireplace. They all cause pollution, especially plastics which release dioxin. Thou shalt not cause thy neighbor undue stress with unnecessary noise and pollution from leaf blowers, motorcycles, power tools, or loud music and parties. And the tenth commandment, Thou shalt be considerate and notify thy neighbor so windows can be closed when creating dust, stirring up pollen, painting, or using toxic chemicals and pesticides. Thy will be helping thyself too by using VOC-free paints, less toxic cleaning methods and safer products, and alternatives to pesticides and herbicides. Well, there you have it, Tony's 10 commandments of being a good neighbor. Not only will you be a good neighbor, you'll also be doing good for yourself and your family and your pets. And you can find more information about multiple chemical sensitivities and Tony's work at ohionetwork.org, www.ohionetwork.org. And I hope you take a peek. America's radio authority when it comes to patient safety. This is Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio, and I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. And we've made it to the sometimes kooky but always informative part of the program, and that is game time. Today we were back at it with the most requested radio game show of all time. Even though I said we weren't going to have time for a game, but apparently I talk fast and our Ten Commandments went quickly. So, yes, we are ready to play.
5: Shocking news
3: Ah! from around the world. And today we have our most zany guest. No, not Bob, but... Oh my God, are you talking about me? (laughs) Oh, Oh yes, who else but rush l from dr very busy's office in new york welcome once again to the show rush l
6: oh my god what an honor to be here once again and bob i'm so excited to spend some time with you because you're so much fun and i must oh my all right
3: guys all right all right um let's get started on the game as you may remember rush l i'm going to read some healthcare associated statements and you and bob have to decide if the statement is true that would be a shock wow or is it false and that would be a crock Oh. So, are you two ready to reunite once again? Let's
5: go for it. What do you think, Rochelle?
3: Oh my god, I'm so ready for this game. That's that's fine.
6: That's Let's
5: go
3: for it. Alright, guys. The shocking news number one. Oh, wait, here's a local bit of news. Cuyahoga County high school students are smoking tobacco products at the same rate as adults in the county. Is that a shock or is it a crack
6: oh my god i i surely hope it's not true but i th- i'm thinking that it might be i know in new york where i live it's crazy i see kids smoking cigars for heaven's sake what,
3: what, what, what do you think bob
5: it is definitely a shock there's no doubt about it
3: yes it is true according to new data from the prevention research center for healthy neighborhoods at case western reserve university wow In 2013, more than 22% or one in five high school students reports use of any tobacco product within the 30 days. And you are so right, Rush L. The data shows that it's the other tobacco products like flavored little cigars that are luring kids into a potential lifetime of tobacco addiction. The rates are high across the county and it is a serious concern. In addition to increased cigar use, the surveys show the emergence of hookah use. Do you guys know what hookah is? No, tell me about it.
6: Oh my God, I don't even want to go with that. I am. I don't even want to. All right, know. all right.
3: It's a water pipe, often smoked with flavored tobacco. In fact, you see some hookah bars around. Anyway, hookah, H-O-O-K-A-H, hookah. Hookah smoking increased threefold in the city of Cleveland, and the tobacco product surveyed, it saw the largest increase in usage from 2011 to 2013. And here's a possible contributing factor to the rise in this non cigarette smoking. Because unlike cigarettes, these products don't require ingredient reporting and are not supervised by the FDA. No supervision of the nicotine levels and carcinogens and chemical additive levels are unknown.
5: That's amazing. I'm so, un- that just blows my mind that we can't keep up with what's going on in this world.
6: You, uh, there, there, there you go Bob You know the FDA once again is not doing its job So what do you think of that Bob?
5: I think they need to get on the stick And do something about it
6: I think that the FDA should change its name Instead of FDA it should be FDN Frequently doing nothing
5: <laughs> Oh that's a good, good one, thank you
3: Alright guys, speak on Stay Alive Shocking news number two Trees are saving more than 850 human lives a year Is that a shock Or is it a crock
5: I'm going to say that it's a shock because the uh, amount of oxygen given off by trees should help save lives.
6: Oh, my, Bob, that sounds good, but I'm going to say it's a crock. I mean, a tree could actually kill someone if it falls on them. Or, or, or what about people climbing trees and then falling out of them? I mean, come to think of it, a tree is a very dangerous plant. What do you think, Bob? It, it could be. It huh?
5: could be.
3: <laughs> Ooh, taking it somewhere else, people. Um, it, it is true. It is a shock. You're right, Bob. Wow. Scientists have calculated that trees are saving more than 850 human lives a year and preventing 670,000 incidences of acute respiratory symptoms due to the tree's ability to remove pollution from the air. Now, in terms of impact on human health, trees in urban areas are substantially more important than trees in rural areas due to their proximity to people. The greater the tree cover, the greater the pollution removal, so Rochelle go plant a tree in your yard
6: oh my god i live i live in a high rise in manhattan so maybe i can plant a tiny tree in my kitchen planter or just jog on over to
3: central park i mean did you do you jog bob oh yeah (laughs) all right here is the speak up and stay alive shocking news number three designer potatoes are on the rise (laughs) is that a shock or is it a crock
6: oh oh well, what kind of potato would that be? I mean, like, are they wearing little outfits or something? I mean, they th- they, that sounds like a crock. What do you think,
5: Bob? I think it's a uh, shock because they're, they're trying different experiments with different types of potatoes to come up with new varieties.
3: Bobby, you are a good one, and you're a good shopper, too. You know about these, these things. That is a shock. Wow! The decline in overall potato consumption has Texas A&M AgriLife Research breeders working on designer spuds, that meet the time constraints and unique tastes of a younger generation they are working on striped potatoes purple ones with yellow flesh and tiny tots according to the article One of the reasons for the popularity of the smaller potato is with both spouses working, the amount of time required to prepare potatoes becomes an issue with some people. With the small potatoes, they can be microwaved very fast and be on the table in a hurry.
6: Oh my God, I have something to say about that. We all know that microwaves are a no-no. I bought a radiation measuring meter like you showed me, Pat, and I went home and I tested my microwave. Oh my God, my meter nearly blew up. I pulled that microwave out of my kitchen, and I'm selling it on eBay, listing it as a class 2B human carcinogen. I hate that microwave. I, I cook everything slowly. Just plan ahead of time, right, Pop?
3: You got it. Very good, guys. All right, the Speak of a Stay Alive shocking news number four. According to a new study, most people enjoy sitting alone with nothing to do. Is that a shock, or is it a crock? Well,
6: I'm going to get that first, Pop, because I think it's a shock. I mean, excuse me. I think it's a crock. It's a crock. From what I've seen, people don't know how to be alone. I mean, even though I rush around and around, I mean, that's why they turned my name from Rush L to Rush L. It used to be Rochelle, but now it's Rush L. I mean, I still enjoy being myself, but I have to say, it's a crock. What, what do you think, Bob?
5: I think it's a shock due to the fact that people sit there with their iPhones texting all the time, and when they text, they're sitting alone most of the time, so they're not speaking to anybody.
3: Well, that is a crock, you guys. Oh. Most people cannot be left alone to sit and think for more than a few minutes without getting twitchy, a study has revealed. Scientists asked volunteers aged 18 to 77 to sit alone in a room with no mobile phone, reading material, or writing implements. They were expected to spend six to 15 minutes doing nothing but thinking and then relate how they found the experience. On average, participants did not enjoy it at all. In one test, Twelve men and six women chose an electric shock to break the spell of inactivity. The study, led by Professor Timothy Wilson at the University of Virginia, was published in the journal Science. And it said, what is striking is that simply being alone with our own thoughts for 15 minutes was apparently so aversive, it drove many participants to self-administer an electric shock that they earlier said they would pay
6: to avoid oh oh my god this is the saddest commentary i've ever heard people these days have the attention span of a flea it's like sesame street on steroids i see people in dr very busy's office and they simply cannot sit in the waiting room for a moment they're fidgeting checking their phones texting it's insane
5: oh i agree with you rush there's nothing we can do about it except just try to teach people what's right and wrong
6: rochelle
3: and bob this was fun and
6: that reminds me, Dr. Very Busy wants about 50 copies of your book to make available at our office. Oh, wow, that's very
3: nice of him. Oh,
5: that would be great for send those copies to Dr. Busy's office.
6: That's very nice of him. Oh, he's a great guy, but, but he's not as nice as you, Bob. I mean, like, what can a girl do, huh?
3: Find another Bob. <laughs> All right, well, come back anytime, Rush L. And folks, don't move a muscle, don't change positions, or we will shock your underwear. There's more... Coming up. Well, that was great, Guy. Oh, Bob, where
6: are we going now? We're going to have
3: margaritas. Oh, I love it,
6: Thank you, Bob. You're welcome.
3: You're listening to Speak Up and Stay Alive Patient Safety Radio, and I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, always happy for the time we spend together. And if you'd like more time together, and are part of a group of any kind, Rotary, Kiwanis, a senior group, church, club, association, or even a hospital. Invite me to speak. It's always a fun time, and I guarantee a fast-moving hour. Some people expect that a presentation about health care and hospital safety would be a real snoozer, but surprise, it's not. You will come away with so many little tips and tricks to keep you safe. During any healthcare or hospital encounter. And that's where you can also get a signed copy of the book Speak Up and Stay Alive The Patient Advocate Hospital Survival Guide. And who knows, Dr. Danger just might show up. Call me to talk about how we can wow your crowd at the next event 440 725 5462. That's 440 725 5462. Well, it looks like we're at the end of our time together today. So I send you off to enjoy the upcoming springtime days. But remember to come back next week. Same time, same place, but never the same information. Until next week, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am your guide to safe and successful healthcare and hospital encounters.
2: Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's
0: speakupandstayalive.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.
1: 18 plus.